Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies and your host for the program. This is episode 37 being brought to you today by DraftKings. You know, this weekend's UFC 262 is sure to be a can't-miss event. Every punch, every kick, every knockout means so much more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings is the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, and they're giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's card, DraftKings is offering all customers a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Now, if you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. You just pick six fighters, standard the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. No better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code TBPN for your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code TBPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And now... On with the program. It is episode 37 of the Grizz Weekly Grind. What do we have on tap as the Grizzlies play the final week of the NBA regular season, Thursday and Friday games at home against Sacramento, a Sunday date at Golden State, tip time yet to be determined. And you know that game with Golden State will in all likelihood determine seedings in the play-in tournament. Grizzlies have already qualified. We know that. We know they'll be in. But what seed will they be? That'll determine who they play, how many games they have to win, and where they will play, uh, and who will have home court advantage. So we will have to figure all that out. Hate to say, a lot of basketball yet to be played because there are only three games left, but still a lot to be determined. On today's show, we'll start as we always do with That Was the Week That Was, some PD's points as well. And then very happy to welcome in as the friend of the program today, Mark Jones, longtime NBA voice on ESPN, and this year, decided to take on, in addition to his ESPN duties, decided to take on the play-by-play role on television for the Sacramento Kings. No better guy to talk about Sacramento Kings basketball and how they match up with the Grizzlies than Mark Jones. So we will chop it up with the Jam Posse coming up in a little bit. But first, let's get to that was the week that was. Grizzlies starting their final homestand of the season, and they started it Monday against the New Orleans Pelicans, a team that had owned the Grizzlies this year. But the Grizzlies... Grizzlies got off to a good start against one of the best first-quarter scoring teams in the NBA in the New Orleans Pelicans. Grizzlies led it 36-31 after one quarter. They would go on and lead 71-59 at halftime. Grizzlies, throughout the season, consistently a very good third-quarter ball club. Just not Monday night. Grizzlies outscored 29-15 in that third quarter, and all of a sudden people started wondering, maybe the Pelicans really do have the Grizzlies number. Even though the Pelicans not going to make the play-in tournament, uh, the Grizzlies going to make the play-in tournament. Well, yeah, if they win this game, they will make the play-in tournament. Grizzlies outscored in the third quarter 29-15, and the Grizzlies find themselves down heading into the fourth quarter. Grizzlies righted themselves in the aforementioned fourth quarter, outscoring the Pelicans 29-22 to take the win 115-110 over the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, yes, the Pelicans were without Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. We know, yeah, the Grizzlies have had a lot of good fortune when it comes to playing teams being shorthanded. Um, This was 
also notable, Jaron Jackson Jr. in the starting lineup. Dozen points for him, seven rebounds to go along with four blocks. Second time that he has had four blocks in a game this year. Grizzlies, by the way, tying their franchise record, 19 blocked shots in this game. The Grizzlies' front line combined for 13. Four by Kyle Anderson, four by Jaron, and five by Jonas Valanciunas, who picked up another double-double, 20 and 11. Grizzlies get all five starters in double figures. They hold the Pelicans to just 44% shooting. Grizzlies, 49.5%. And the Grizzlies putting up 33 assists. And when the Grizzlies put up 30-plus assists, more often than not, they're going to grab the W. Grizzlies with 66 in the paint. Grizzlies, real solid effort. Dylan Brooks has been playing really good basketball. I know that the shooting percentages haven't been stellar, but he is scoring the basketball 23 against the New Orleans Pelicans. Meanwhile, Pelicans, their best player was coming off the bench, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, 18 points for him. Now, Pelicans did have seven in double figures, including all five starters, but no starter scored more than 15. Billy Aaron Gomez had 15 to go along with eight rebounds. So the Grizzlies win the game to start off the homestand and fashion a two-game winning streak after the road win against Toronto in Tampa. Grizzlies two games above 500. On Monday night, 35-33, and 33, they send the Pelicans seven games below 500. And the Grizzlies are going to play back-to-back. All right, well, you get the injury report, and we had seen on the telecast during the New Orleans game that Jonas Valanciunas had the electronic stimulation uh, device on his back. He, he had a heat wrap on his back, so clearly something was bothering him, but he did go ahead and he did finish out that game. Little did we realize that the Grizzlies would then keep him out of Tuesday's game against the Dallas Mavericks. So you get to the gym and you realize that Jaron's not going to play because it's a back-to-back. Jonas isn't going to play because he has a sore back. And Grayson Allen's still remaining out with a sore abdomen. And you're like, okay, we're playing the Dallas Mavericks, one of the hottest teams in the NBA. How's this going to turn out? The Grizzlies led it by one after one quarter. They lead it by three at halftime. Dylan Brooks hits a buzzer-beating three. And you figure, okay, this one may go down to the wire. And maybe it's going to be another Luka Doncic Miracle basket at the buzzer. You figure this one is going to be close because Dallas is playing so well. (laughs) Yeah, right. The Grizzlies put on one of the best halves of basketball that they have played all year long. They outscored Dallas 36-25 in the third, 37-22 in the fourth. They beat the Mavericks 133-104. to And the Grizzlies... Forced the Mavericks into 13 turnovers, which is right around their season average. But the conversion rate was fantastic. Grizzlies, 23 points off those turnovers. Grizzlies gave up only eight off their own. And if you ever want to talk about a team win for the Memphis Grizzlies, this would be the team win to talk about. They shoot 57% from the floor. Three bench players in double figures. Four of the five starters in double figures. The only starter who didn't get into double figures was Xavier Tillman, and he had nine and uh, six rebounds. Grizzlies shoot 57%. 57% and Dallas 42%. I mean, this is it was an amazing effort by the Grizzlies. Another great game by Dylan Brooks. He goes for 22. Meanwhile, he helps the defense hold Luka Doncic to just four of 16 shooting. Doncic did not make a three, finished with 12 points, five assists, Five rebounds. Grizzlies did an amazing job defensively against him. Tim Hardaway Jr., big first half. Grizzlies shut him down in the second half. John Morant, masterful game all around. 
24 with eight assists and seven rebounds. Great game from him uh, and John Conchar. We'll talk about John Conchar in a little bit. Uh, you go for 18 points, a career high uh, against the Dallas Mavericks off the bench. That's pretty special. So we'll talk about John Conchar in a little bit. So the Grizzlies win it 133 to 104 to push their record to 36 and 33. Dallas falls to 40 and 29. Grizzlies take just one of the three games off of Dallas, but Dallas won the first one fairly easily going wire to wire. The second one went down to the wire with the Doncic miracle three and the Grizzlies get this win over the Dallas Mavericks. So Grizzlies 36 and 33, but they can't leapfrog Golden State because Golden State keeps on winning. Late rallies at home against Utah, late rally against the Phoenix Suns, and right now Golden State hanging on to the eighth spot in the Western Conference. And that is, that was, the week that was. And now this pause to tell you that if you are enjoying the Grizz Weekly Grind, please do rate, review, and subscribe, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or Google Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, if you'd be so kind as to leave a rating and or a review. We would much appreciate it. And uh, like I said, my DMs are open on Twitter at Pete Pranica. Let me know if you have questions, thoughts, comments, whatever. We are more than happy to uh, entertain those and perhaps work them into a future edition of the Grizz Weekly Grind. That brings us now to Petey's points. And number one is you saw it against the Dallas Mavericks. This is a hard-playing basketball team, and it doesn't matter if you are the last guy on the bench or if you're John Morant, this team plays hard. And I give all the credit to Taylor Jenkins because that's all he asks. Give me your best effort, and the results will be the results. But you got to give me your best effort. And I thought the game against Dallas might have been the best overall effort, the most inspired effort that we've seen from the Grizzlies this year. And doing it against a quality opponent that, with the exception of Kristaps Porzingis, Dallas was full. They were healthy. They had they had Doncic. They had Hardaway. They had their guys healthy, with the exception of Porzingis. And the Grizzlies outworked them, out hustled them. It was a game that meant more to the Grizzlies probably than it did to the Dallas Mavericks. But having said that, the Grizzlies went out and got the job done, and that's all you can ask for: a hard playing basketball team. Petey's point number two is this is a basketball team that has also done a great job of coming back from adversity last year. Grizzlies went 17-22 and 22 in games immediately following a loss. Not a great record. If you're, if, if you're sub-500 in games immediately after a loss, it means you've got losing streaks. This year, the Grizzlies have improved. The Grizzlies are actually 19-14, and 14, five games above 500 in games immediately following a loss. And even more to the point, this year the Grizzlies are 5-2 in games following a game they lost by 19 or more points. So this is not a team that hangs its head when things go south. They do battle, they do play hard, and they are productive even after they have been blown out in the previous game. And then finally, you got to love John Conchar. I, I, look, we, we all laugh about getting jitty with it, and, and we, we got the sweatshirts. And I know I wore mine today when I went out to breakfast. I just, when you talk about a, a hard playing basketball team, a team that gives effort, a team that is greater than the individ, the, the, the sum uh, of its parts, that's John Conchar. Was a great all-around player in college. 
but not at the D1 level. So, you know, people not really looking at him or noticing him, but he's just been sensational over the last handful of games. You know, guys have been injured, and Taylor Jenkins is going to give minutes to the guys that really, really earned them. And John Conchar, well, he had the great game against Detroit, and then he comes up with just the game of his life, probably better than any game he played in college. 18 points, six rebounds, three steals, seven of 10 shooting, and two of four from three for John Conchar. John Conchar is one of those guys that you just love to see good things happen to because he works hard. He's not heralded. He wasn't a highly rated recruit. He wasn't a lottery pick. He was a guy who had to work his way through the G League in a two-way contract in order to get a shot at the NBA. And he has made the most of his opportunity. And I, I just think it's great. Uh, plays with a smile on his face. His teammates love him. I thought it was great. John Morant said after the game against Dallas, he said, I'm not really surprised at how well he's playing. I just get mad at him sometimes if he doesn't shoot the ball when he's open because he is good enough to make those shots. And so it's great to see John Morant and the rest of his teammates cheering for him. It's great to see John Conchar doing great things on the basketball court because you need depth and you need quality players and you need quality people. And John Conchar is all of that. And that does it for today's edition of PD's Points. We're going to get to our friend of the program, Mark Jones, in a moment. But first, a reminder that the Grizz Weekly Grind is brought to you today by the Hoop City Basketball Club. Since 2005, their mission has been to assist young student-athletes in grades 1 through 12 in developing a strong work ethic with discipline, responsibility, and accountability. Hoop City has helped young men be great on the court and in the community. Their alumni include major college and NBA players. If you'd like more information on how to become part of this great sports and character-building club, log on to HoopCityBC.com. You can follow them on Twitter, at HoopCityBC. As they say, it's in our blood. It is who we are in Hoop City. Well, Memphis is Hoop City. Sacramento is one of the hotbeds of NBA fandom. And anybody who has followed the NBA for any period of time remembers the Sacramento Kings in their heyday at Arco Arena before it went through a number of other naming iterations. It was loud. There were no amenities there. The basketball was really good. The fans were ringing cowbells. It was a tremendous atmosphere in Sacramento when the Kings were really, really rolling. Never got an NBA championship, but a lot of great players came through Sacramento, whether it was Chris Weber or Doug Christie or Vlade Divac or Jason Williams. I mean, so many great players came through Sacramento. Rick Adelman, a fantastic coach. Kings have one of the most ardent fan bases in the NBA. And the old Arco Arena, when it was rocking, Man, it was loud and a great atmosphere for NBA basketball. Golden One Center, nice arena, far more amenities than, than the old Arco Arena, and obviously this year with COVID, not nearly as loud. Grizzlies will be playing the Sacramento Kings on Thursday and on Friday, and in to call it on television for NBC Sports Bay Area will be Mark Jones, and uh, if you know the name Mark Jones, well, you should, because for many years now he has been one of the voices of the NBA on ESPN and he was good enough to sit down with me and be our friend of the program. Mark, for years you had been and still continue to be one of the voices of the NBA on ESPN. Sacramento job comes open and you go after that job. Now, 
why a team job in addition to a network job? Also telling our listeners that your brother, Paul Jones, <laughs> right. is on the radio for the Toronto Raptors. So he has experience with, with doing a team job. So tell us about the process that got you to Sacramento. You know what, Pete? I've always felt that in the back of my mind, if I ever got an opportunity, the right opportunity to uh, be a home team play-by-play announcer, I would look seriously at it. But uh, it would have to be the right fit. And it would have to be at the right time. So the Sacramento job became available. Uh, my wife and I have uh, become empty nesters. And our youngest daughter is a freshman at San Jose State University on the basketball team. So there was nothing marrying us to Florida anymore and to Miami where we still keep a home. So we were on our way out to California. And then the job came open. And it was just a perfect confluence of circumstances. And I thought, you know what? I've always admired the passionate fan base in Sacramento through even the lean years, you know, the last 14 years uh, in absence of a playoff berth. And everybody remembers what it looked like back in 2003 in that season, the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers, Vladi, Doug Christie, Peja, Shaq, Kobe. I mean, it was a, a real riveting type of playoff series. And that's always been my image of, Uh, Sacramento and their fan base. So uh, it's been a great, great marriage. Uh, I've really enjoyed doing it. Um, The daily type of storylines are a lot different than um, being uh, uh, on the national beat with ESPN, where you just kind of pop in, you're doing two quote unquote neutral teams and then leave and you're, you win whether you just by showing up, but it's a little different you get a little bit more invested when you have, um, you know, skin in the game. So it's been fun. I've, I've enjoyed watching the team and De'Aaron Fox and his elevation to all-star status pretty much and his come up and uh, Tyrese Halliburton, the rookie, I think one of the top rookies in the league. Um, you know, Harrison Barnes is a talented guy who's always been a great pro and it's been a fun ride so far. You know, it, it, it's interesting because I had the opportunity to do few, some playoff games for NBA TV. And you're too, again, you're calling teams that are not, quote unquote, your own. And you just care about having a good game. You don't care who wins. You just want there to be some drama and you want there to be some excitement. And then you then you go back to being a home team announcer and, and it's an <laughs> entirely different deal. And, and this has been really, really hard for all of us on the local level because you don't have the daily contact with the coaches and the players right. that you normally would. How have you found workarounds to get time, get insight, get, you know, in, inside the head of Luke Walton and, and Harrison Barnes yeah. and Deere and Fox so that you can tell the stories that the Sacramento fans want to hear? Man, that's a great point, Pete. Um, I've had to really draw on, you know, beyond the basic group Zoom calls that we're all on, uh, because you want to be able to differentiate your stories from the next guy as much as you can. Um not that we're, you know, breaking stories or dropping, you know, uh, peep bombs or mark bombs anywhere, but you want to be able to document uh, each player's journey. And I've, you know, through my years, always maintained very good relationships with coaches, assistant coaches, scouts, players. And I've been in my, my Rolodex in my phone the entire time, just texting players hey, tell us what the thought process is going into the game tonight. You know, if you don't get them on the Zoom call, if you don't get them at the uh, pregame or postgame availability, 
uh, texting players, texting assistant coaches, texting scouts, uh, being able to get anecdotes that you can tell. Um, you know, I, I like here as an example, you know, uh, Sacramento has gotten great games from Terrence Davis, a Memphis guy who's coming home to play against the Grizzlies in the next couple of games and uh, drew on my relationship with him to talk about his success and his journey from the time that he bet on himself as an undrafted free agent coming out of Mississippi, playing one game in summer league, getting shut down because he scored 24 points. And then the next day being signed by the Toronto Raptors uh, to tell that story to Sacramento Kings fans who don't know how he got there prior to being acquired in a trade is something that, you know, makes the fans go, Oh, wow. You want to cheer for that guy. So uh, little nuggets of information like that, you know, texting players, I think has been uh, something that I've really leaned into and depended on. The Sacramento team right now is playing really, really good basketball. They've won, I think six of their last seven, and they've done a lot of it without De'Aaron Fox. What's been working well for Sacramento right now? Boy, Monty McNair um, did a really great thing at the trade deadline, Pete. He got DeLon Wright from Detroit, got Terrence Davis, got Mo Harkless to fortify the bench. And as fate would have it, the basketball gods descended upon De'Aaron Fox with health and safety protocols, admitting recently that he came down with a heavy dose of COVID. Um, Bagley was out, came back briefly, now out again. Um, so they've had to rely on those three guys that McNair acquired at the trade deadline. They've been fantastic. Mo Harkless is a starter with his length defensively has helped to prop up the defense, which, you know, right now is still 30th in the NBA, but you know, in the last seven games, uh, their defensive rating is right around 100, 101. So the last half dozen or so games, they've played well at that end of the court. Um, DeLon Wright is a pro. You've seen him. I mean, heady point guard. Your defense, you know, starts out front with your point guard. DeLon Wright's been great at that, too. And Terrence Davis has been a great spark club with his energy and uh, dynamic play off the bench, shooting the basketball, catch and shoot three and defending as well. So that's what those three guys I point to uh, have given them a real boost uh, in the last little bit, being able to help them. Uh, propel and kind of, you know, mathematically anyway, stay in the race for one of the play-in tournament spots. We're visiting with Mark Jones, one of the voices of the NBA on ESPN and the play-by-play voice for the Sacramento Kings. He is our friend of the program on this edition of the Grizz Weekly Grind. Mark, what does the Sacramento team need to do to get over the hump? Because it seems that at the start of every season, they're, they're the fashionable pick. They're going to be the breakthrough team. They're going to make it into the top eight. And yet, it's it's always something, and, and a lot of times it's it's injuries. I mean, Marvin Bagley has really, really struggled with health issues throughout yeah. his career. What does this team need in order to get into the playoff mix? You know, they just got to hit on some guys and stay healthy. You know, I and I look at Bagley as being one of the keys. You know, you know what you're getting with Harrison Barnes. You know what you're getting with uh, Buddy Heald in his three-point shooting. Uh, you know what you've got now in Tyrese Halliburton, a talented rookie moving forward. I think he's a, a top three pick easily for rookie of the year. And De'Aaron Fox has proven this year with his uh, come up in his play that he's in that all-star discussion now in the Western Conference. They just need to stay whole because with the guys that they acquired at the trade deadline, the three players I just talked about, they've got a nice eight, nine-man rotation to work with. And I think it's a matter of, you know, a lot of the – Unfortunately, conversation, Pete, 
focuses unfairly, I think, on Bagley as a 21-year-old or just turned 22. Um, heavy spotlight, heavy criticism. Everybody talks about the fact, obviously, that, you know, they could have had Luca, But, hey, listen, I'll, I'll just say this in Bagley's defense. He's a talented big man averaging about 14 and 7. And I, I use DeMontis Sabonis as a little comp, Pete, because – I remember doing OKC games when Sabonis was that age, 21. And I remember Billy Donovan telling me specifically a couple times I had them, Mark, this guy can play. He's talented. He's got all the tools, but he can't stay on the floor. He's always in foul trouble or he's, he's this or he's out of position. He just didn't get it because he was young. If you look at Bagley's numbers, um, he's played a little more than a, year and a half maybe of NBA games in terms of regular season and being available in his three years, it totals up to a year and a half worth of game. If he just keeps developing and he becomes a 18 and 10 guy, Sacramento's looking really strong moving forward. You plug him in with the other guys and, and they've got, they've got a pretty good team that com can compete in the Western conference. Yeah. I was doing the game prep and I think Bagley's played like 60 games over the last two years. And I mean, you, yeah. you quite simply don't get enough reps with, with that type of frequency in order to yeah. really, to really make your way. What about Luke Walton and the job that he has done in Sacramento? Cause anytime you have a, a coach that hasn't been able to, to get a team over the hump into the playoff race, there's a, there are always questions about him. What has Luke Walton brought to this team that, uh, that keeps him in charge? I'll say this for, for Luke this year. He has done a phenomenal job in navigating the vicissitudes of a turbulent NBA season. The one thing I see is that the guys have not let go of the rope. They are playing hard. You can point to maybe the fact that, yeah, there's still a game out of the play-in tournament scenario. That's what. Listen, these guys have played hard the entire year for him. And it hasn't been for lack of effort. Tactics, strategy, um, uh, design sometimes by the players. Sometimes they've been a little bit off. But the thing that I see with Luke is that he has stood up for his guys, even when there have been some glaring errors made by his players. Um, he stood up for his guys, and they're playing hard for him. And that, uh, that synergy, I think, is healthy moving forward. I think Luke's done a great job with what, He's been given in terms of personnel. Um, you know, if, if De'Aaron Fox is healthy, um, coming down the stretch, maybe they're in the play-in tournament and maybe they're in the playoffs. Uh, if Tyrese Halliburton didn't miss the games that he's missed, maybe they're in it. They had two nine-game slides that really took the wind out of their season, Pete. But, you know, even in those long two-game, nine-game losing streaks, Luke maintained a sense of, poise and calm and there was no finger pointing and you know you've covered this league a long time finger pointing can happen pretty quickly <laughs> yes it can yeah yeah the the, the I, I always go back to a line that damon stoudemire said team meetings are for losers yeah yeah man you know it yeah team me if you're having players only meetings and those kind of things, it's, it's, you're in the wrong place. You're not in a happy place. No, no. All right, give me the outsider's view of the Memphis Grizzlies. I see them on a day-to-day -day basis. Unfortunately, not as up close and personal as we used to because of COVID, but you see them from a national perspective. What, what do you see in this Grizzlies team that you like as, as they have clinched a spot in the play-in tournament? I, I see guys that play hard. You know, I see a team that is 
greater than the sum of the individual parts. And I think that's a great compliment to the coaching staff there and the players. Um, I see John Morant, uh, an emerging superstar. Um, I see just some great pieces that fit well together. I look at the year that, um, you know, uh, Valanchunas, Jonas Valanchunas has had as a big man. Um, and that's his development and his ascension as one of the premier bigs, I think, in the Western Conference is a great success story. Uh, I look at the shooting of Bain. Uh, I, I look at the all-around play of Dylan Brooks uh, defensively competing. You guys, the, the Memphis Grizzlies, as an outsider looking in, have all the essentials of a team that I don't know if I'd want to play them too early in the playoffs, you know, because they have just enough parts and dynamic talent to be lethal enough to knock you off. In, in those situations, you said the word vicissitudes, and I always admire your vocabulary. And <laughs> I know, I know that education has been huge in your family. And yeah. during, during the NBA hiatus, I got queried by scores of young broadcasters about, you know, what advice would you give me? And this is my final thing for you, Mark, my piece of advice to them that they really sometimes had a hard time grasping. I said, learn how to write well. If you learn how to write well and organize your thoughts on paper, then you'll learn how to organize them between your ears. So for young broadcasters, what's your best piece of advice? That you, you said it. That's the first thing I tell them. Make sure you have strong writing skills. And that is the starting point. That is the ending point for being able to be strong in your verbal presentation because the two are the same thing. Um, you know, I tell them as broadcasters, be able to describe a scene as strongly and as boldly and as colorfully as you can, because you're a professional. You want to be able to say your words are distinctively unique from the guy who's at J school, a journalism school in his second year at Syracuse, because if you're coming on air and saying, it's a beautiful day for a game of basketball, as opposed to saying an irradiant sky spattering down on a black top court. Those are two different pictures that you get. Right. Um, I tell people that I mentor, be colorful, be bold. And that goes back to what you talked about, your, your writing skills. And, and I was blessed in the respect that my, uh, my grandfather was an English professor and my Dad knew Latin and studied Latin. So whenever my brother and I came home from school and asked my dad about a word, he would go through this 15 minute dialogue about, oh, the root of the word in Latin is this and that and that. And like, dad, just tell us, please. You're killing us. <laughs> and, tr and truth be known, I did take Latin in high school and in college. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you know, that, that is one of those things. I, and I always enjoy good writing and I enjoy good broadcasting. I love listening to you. I am so glad for your success, not only with NBA, but also with, with ESPN and also with the Sacramento Kings. And hopefully, hopefully we keep our fingers crossed. Maybe I'll see you in Vegas for summer league. Hey, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that it's going to happen, Pete, and I'm looking forward to it. And you and I getting a chance to sit down and, uh, Hang out a little bit. You do a fantastic job with the Grizzlies, man. I love listening to your broadcasts. Uh, thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. I appreciate the time and uh, have a good rest of the NBA season. You too, buddy. See you in the playoffs. So big thanks to 
Mark Jones of ESPN and the Sacramento Kings for being our friend of the program today. Always great to, as he likes to say, chop it up. And I always enjoy visiting with him, and uh, hopefully we will see him in Vegas. You know, he'll be calling Summer League action for ESPN, and fingers crossed I will be calling NBA Summer League action for NBA TV. Um, All right, that does it for this edition of the Grizz Weekly Grind. This has been episode 37, where we ask if there was one thing you could do, one bold action you could take, one inspired choice you could make, one investment guaranteed to transform Memphis, would you do it? Well, if that answer is yes, here's your chance. The Grizzlies Foundation is looking for Memphians to be the difference in a child's life by becoming a volunteer mentor. There are 800 youth in Memphis waiting for your decision today. Don't delay. Join the movement. Become a mentor at grizzliesfoundation.org. Tell them that you found out about Grizzlies Mentoring through the Grizz Weekly Grind podcast. This message is brought to you through the generous support of Garner Framing Company, serving Memphis for 70 years and a proud supporter of the Memphis Grizzlies Foundation. They're doing their framing consultations by appointment at 901-685-7796. Give them a call, set up an appointment, and I guarantee you that Chris Garner and his crew will do a remarkable job on your framing project. Well, the Grizzlies, three more games remaining. Thursday, Friday, Sacramento, then west to Golden State. Who knows what's going to happen? Well, by the next time we visit, we will have clarity on the play-in tournament for the Memphis Grizzlies. So coming up in episode 38, we will tell you all about the play-in tournament, where the Grizzlies will be playing, what they need to do, and how they can advance to the first round of the NBA playoffs. I'm Pete Pratica. Thanks so much for listening to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. 